When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your poor boy, your poor boyfriend. Sound. Oh, he has to get a sound machine. Right, right. No. That's me snoring. Hello, everybody. It's Katie Austin here, and welcome back to Austin AF. Today on the show, I have a very special guest, Dr. G. He's a naturopathic doctor and the host of Heal Thyself, which is actually a shared studio room with Austin AF, which is pretty cool. We share a production studio. So before he comes in and comes in the studio, by the way, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. It's a mixture of like um, all of his advice and tips, but also like therapy and very soothing. That's why I'm like talking a little bit lower right now because I feel very soothed and... <laughs> Like I need to do some deeper thinking. Anyways, you'll understand what I'm talking about in this episode. I think it will be beneficial and inspiring for seriously any person of any age group to hear. There's going to be a takeaway for you for Dr. G. So before we get into the episode, I wanted to just touch on my Verizon in the know product of the week. Today's in the know product is Olaplex. And why I love it so much is because hopefully, first off, hopefully my hair looks good enough to talk about a hair product, but I have really damaged hair, to be blunt, to get right to the point. And I have gotten a lot of Instagram DMs over the last year and a half saying, hey, Katie, just letting you know, um, I have some hair solutions for you. Your hair has been looking kind of frizzy and damaged lately. I'm not fucking kidding you. A lot of people have said that to me. And even my mother have said, uh, you need some hair treatment. I've actually tried a lot of hair masks and I think that Olaplex is one of the best hair solutions I have found that is also the easiest. So I actually love Olaplex number three and it's called a hair perfector. It's called the original Olaplex hair perfector number three repairs and strengthens all hair types. What I do, it says on the back to only leave it in for a minimum of 10 minutes, but I actually put it in my hair when I get out of the shower. I wash my hair three times a week now, probably not more just because I don't want to over dry it. And I mean, like, you know, overextend, like get all the oils out of my hair. So basically three times a week. And after I get out of the shower, I just rub it through my hair just a little bit, especially in the front tips, because that's where I have a lot of like mo- my most styling and most damaged parts is like my front. And so I want to make sure it gets all over. Um, I use it probably every single time I get in the shower, like two to three times a week. So I highly, highly recommend it, especially if you guys are having like any dry dry, damaged, frizzy, heat, damaged hair as well. Olaplex number three. And if you guys want to check it out, make sure to go check out www.inthenow.com slash Austin AF. Once again, that's inthenow.com slash Austin AF. At the same time, there's a QR code you guys can scan for the product or press the link down below and it'll take you straight there to my In The Know page. All right, now let's take a deep breath in. Through the nose, inhale, and exhale. Let's bring in Dr. G. 
All right. So I'm here with Dr. G. Thank you so much for coming into the Austin AF studio, but also your studio. Right. And for people listening, you're probably like, wait, what are you talking about? We actually share a studio here in our production office. Mm -hmm. Literally right in my line of sight. That's my workspace yeah. and your workspace. So it's really cool and actually really surreal to be sitting here in the spot of a guest because I'm like, whoa, Am I like nervous? What's going on here? Like, this yeah. is, it, I'm usually the one leading the interview. So now I'm like, let's do it. It's different. It's very different. And my show is much more like yours is very, um, you know, professional, I feel like, and very, you know, uh, educational. I just had a reality star come in and we talked about too hot to handle. <laughs> like, right. Very right. Different. <laughs> but, but whatever, whatever is available for people, whatever they want to listen to yeah. is there. So that's really powerful that like you can create a space for people to be like, you know, the sentiment of the world is that. It's overwhelming. You turn on the news, it's overwhelming. So Absolutely. being able to, as we were speaking off air, have an outlet is really something really powerful. Well, I'm really excited because I was, you know, researching you a little bit, especially your Instagram videos. And I kind of, you know, first off, very educational. And I'm really excited because I have so many questions for you and your opinion on things. Because, you know, being also in the health and fitness and wellness space, but not being a doctor, let me just tell you that right now, you know, everyone can have so many different opinions. And I think it's really great to bring on a professional and a doctor to give their opinions and also give some amazing advice. A lot of the times, you know, when a guest comes on, it's just like hearing about their story. But I feel like we could have such an amazing advice giving conversation as well. For sure. That's that's sort of what I find my way in doing in interviews is I end up just giving all this information Hell because yeah. I'm so passionate about sharing it with people because it's empowering. It's it's you can't make changes if you don't know what to change. And a lot of us don't know what to change because we were never told or we were never taught. So if we can empower people that here's information through informed consent and then give them the opportunity to make a change, that's yeah. on them. We can we can lead them to water, but that change can be massive for your health, mental, emotional, spiritual, physical health right. altogether is, is, is an incredible move we can do. Well, actually speaking of that right now, <laughs> this could also be a therapy session, Dr. G. Okay, so I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually wondering about myself some, right now, because as you said, sometimes we don't know where to change. And I'm thinking, you know, fuck, I'm kind of in that situation right now where I have extreme anxiety, but I don't know what to change. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking at my life and I'm like, okay, I am really happy about everything, where it's going. I don't really think about the future that much. I mean, I work really hard at the same time. I'm so happy with my friends, my boyfriend, my surrounding. And the one thing that like is really missing is that like routine and how to change my routine, I'm pretty sure, but I don't really know how to change it. I'll be honest, from your energy, I feel uh, very go-getter energy and yeah. like, like yeah. I gotta, I'm going to do this and I'm going to accomplish this, which is wonderful, right? Because it puts you in the space that you are in and the accomplishments that you've had. But I also feel the energy that you may not just stop and yeah. sit down alone, no boyfriend, no TV, no phone, no family, and literally sit there with what is causing you anxiety. You never do that. You're gonna make me cry. Oh right, God, right. So emotional on the show. But but the fact that the fact of the matter is is that we've yeah. all become so good, even myself, at distraction. Oh and, God, yeah. And and guess what? Today's day and age, we have the distraction right in our pocket. So yeah. even when we have the chance to be alone and let all that stuff that is causing us anxiety, depression, mood disorders to come up, we just reach our phone and that's yeah. our self-soothing mechanism, right? For I do the same thing, right? I'm always putting out content, but it's very easy to lose sight of being alone because that alone space allows that stuff that is quote unquote causing anxiety to come up. I love therapy. I love talk therapy. I love talking yeah. through things. But for me, it's not the answer fully. Talk therapy will show you that there's a tree, but it won't show you the root. Mm -hmm. The root 
you're going to show yourself. And you need that time alone to be without distraction, to sit there, be alone with your body. You know, you're in fitness. You have a great connection with your body. But do you have a connection with your inner body, what's in there and what needs to come up? Because we all have shit from the past that needs to come up. Absolutely. And I feel like the first time I really realized I need to sit with myself was this past year and a half because, you know, I've been a go, go, go person. And my sister was like, is there a deeper reason why you're so go, go, go? Because you don't want to sit with your actual thoughts. And it was the truth, which was really scary to think about how deep that is. And, you know, I feel like now I try to sit with my thoughts sometimes, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And then I'm like, oh shit, I have to get this done. I I literally forgot that I needed to do like the most minor thing. You know what I mean? And like, I forgot to email this person back and I grabbed my phone right away. I have a very hard time controlling and settling my thoughts. Mm-hmm. I'm not a good meditator. Mm-hmm. And and that is, when I hear people say I'm not a good meditator, it's just that we haven't given enough space in sitting and that discomfort, right? So let's say, for example, when you're sitting by yourself and you have that minor thought, your ego doesn't want to be with your body because in your body is all of those traumas that are causing you anxiety that you don't want to look at, right? Yeah. So your body knows how to release that. Your ego is very good at suppressing it. So when you have find that discomfort and you have that minor remembrance of something you need to do, you go, oh, I need to get away. I need to, I'm this is very uncomfortable. The ego yeah. is very uncomfortable. And we reach for our phone and then we just stop doing that. But there's so much grace you can give yourself if you add more and more time to sitting alone and feeling a little bit into that discomfort. You know, I had a guest on my show the other day, uh, Atara Valentine, and he was talking about lay down for 10 minutes and feel into your body. If you have an itch, don't scratch it. If you're sweating, don't wipe it. Just lay down and see how uncomfortable after 10 minutes you are in your own body. Because so many of us find distractions not to be in our body. And the irony is that there's people like you and me who love working out and being fit, right? We are in our bodies, we think, but what about deep down inside that body, right? Wow. Like we have the we have the physical body, but what about the deeper body? Absolutely. So there's so much power in uh, being alone and letting that stuff come up. If you don't deem yourself not a good meditator, it's simply because you just haven't given yourself the chance to sit. And if you sit and you see things come up, let them come up, but you don't have to run after it. But the next day, Instead of running after 10 things, you run after nine things. The next day, maybe you run after eight things. And what I mean is that you you have a thought, it sponsors another thought, it sponsors another thought. Then you're in a chain of thoughts and all of a sudden you thought about a dog and then you're thinking about 1994, right. you know? Yeah. But, but that's okay if you can observe what you're doing. And then you come back to the space where at some point it just stops. There's no more chains. You just see dog instead of going back to your 1994 story about dog. And then you just have a thought and you see it pass like a cloud. And then you're, you're grounded in your own space. And that is, to me, the key at looking at anxiety, the key at looking at depression, the key at looking at mood disorders. You have to create space so you can look at them because essentially when you're anxious, you think you are those thoughts that are causing anxiety. You think you are the things that are you're hiding away, but you can't look at. All of these things you can allow to come up, separate yourself and observe it for what it is and then overcome it. Wow, <laughs> that's deep. And I feel like that's like, just when I when I try to meditate, I feel almost more anxious. And I've always had the excuse of, you know, I'm only going to meditate for five minutes a day. And I try, I try my best to meditate for five minutes. I know to you, that's probably like- No, it's wonderful. Horrific. No, it's wonderful. Um, And so I try. And then like, if I ever try to do like my, my boyfriend is 20 minutes a day of meditation. And when I try to do it with him, I actually get more anxious because I know everything that I have to do. So I only commit for five minutes. You know what I mean? So like, how would I deal with like, 
you know, I guess just suppressing those thoughts, like you don't have to do that right now. But what if I'm like, oh my God, I had a deadline by 5 p.m. and it's like 4.55. I just, my brain is like crazy. Right, right. So that that's what we do. And I can see why you fit into this anxiety constitution because we have these adaptive mechanisms, right? Um, were you always anxious as long as you can remember? What about when you were a child? Um, yes, I was an athlete. And I think being an athlete made me extremely anxious because I was always competing with others. And I was always trying to fit into this like stereotype of, you know, living up to, you know, my family and like trying to be always the best, the best, the best. Okay. That's the environment I grew up in. Okay. <laughs> Which sets the precedent for anxiety, yeah. right? Because at your core, you're not an anxious person. Because before all of those athletics, you weren't walking around as a kid or a toddler or even a young child and going, oh, God, I'm so anxious. Oh, man, I really have to think about, do I want to go on the swing today or do I want to go on the slide today? Oh, this is causing me so much anxiety. No, you're in a state of being. You're just experiencing. Right. You're at the playground, you go slide. You're at the playground, you go swings. And you're just unfolding. There's a certain moment where you've made an adaptation in your life. And it was probably when you started athletics, when for you, as a child, you convinced yourself that to be accepted by the tribe, which is your family, that you need to live up to this adaptation expectation, right? Mm -hmm. That you need to be the best, you need to compete, right? And that created an, a, a shift in your personality, right? Personalities shift, they change, they go up, down, yeah. left, and right. But it's not your authentic self. Your authentic self is not an anxious person. Your authentic self is actually not competitive. In that moment of a sports, in that moment where you convince yourself, I need to live up to this because this is the environment that I grew up in, you completely shifted your personality. And today, I don't know how old you are, but today in all those years, you've believed that it's part of your personality. And that is the root of your anxiety because you've convinced yourself that you are competitive. You must go. You must do this. Yeah. You must go. But it was simply an adaptation when you were seven years old. It's not real anymore. It's never right. been real. But it's a story that we continuously tell ourselves that this so is part of my personality, but it's not your it's personality. It's simply an adaptation. It's not your authentic self. Your authentic self, there's no such thing as anxiety because you're so much at peace and so grounded because the mind isn't bringing you over and over and over to the story that you need to do and be to yeah. be the best, right? Yeah, that's crazy. And also when you're thinking, when you're saying that, I was thinking, you know, I'm not an anxious person always. I go in waves. Some weeks I can be on the go constantly and actually be completely at peace with what I'm doing and not really like, you know, have so much anxiety. This week I have extreme anxiety and I'm not even working that hard. And I'm just like confused on that. And why is it so in waves and also in times that I'm actually, you know, doesn't constitute having anxiety? Mm -hmm. Well, two things you can look at if there is a certain trigger, which you don't identify yet, right? Maybe you had a conversation with a loved one and they they said one thing and you're like, fuck, I haven't really been living up to my <laughs> own standard that is false and not even yeah. real. But I, you see what I'm saying? There's some triggers in there. You but, said that, I was like, I already know. But also, yeah. you mentioned something very key when you said that, is that you haven't been as busy and you're more anxious, right? Yeah. Well, because you haven't been distracting yourself. So the anxiety is coming up. Shit, you're right. You, you understand? So you've allowed the anxiety to come up because you're not as busy, quote unquote. Yeah. At some point, if you want to overcome the anxiety, you got to stop, sit, and let, let it come up. And it may come up as tears. It may come up as yelling. It may come up as anger. However the body wants to release it. You may even just throw up, whatever it may be, but it's going to come out of your body because the body is holding it, not the brain. Yeah. Right? The anxiety is not hanging out in the brain. It's, it's the memories in the body. 
And once it, once it comes out, your nervous system is going to be less hypervigilant, less like, oh my God, I need to go here. I need to do this. Yeah. What am I doing? Oh my God, I, I really did this wrong. That's nervous system firing off. All of a sudden, the, the meter on your nervous system goes from 10 out of 10 to 4 out of 10. And then you're like, okay, this should be an incident or a situation that would prompt anxiety in me in the past. But I actually can separate from it because I'll do it. I'll get it done. Right. But the feelings aren't attached to it anymore. So two things. The body needs that release. Yeah. Right. But also the observation after that release of what used to cause anxiety, because it's possible. Anyone can heal. What the trigger was. Anyone can heal from it. Right. Anyone can heal from it. But look, just listen, listen. But I would actually go with the latter, that you're less busy and now it's coming up. All the things that you've been holding in are coming up. And that's beautiful. Wild. Because you're there. That means if it's coming up right now with the less things you're doing, at any given time, you can give yourself that grace and time to let it come up without distraction and you can overcome your anxiety. I'm not against medications, but medications are just a band-aid to the anxiety. It's silly to just think that you're going to take something and it's going to turn down the heat on your anxiety. It'll it'll put a band-aid, but it never gets to the root of it. Right. Do you believe cuz for me what really helps and what I say a lot is like when I have anxiety, like and this is the truth, like when I have anxiety, you know, I listen to good music, I go for a walk, you know, the, like kind of like you said, it's almost like a band-aid for it, but at the same time it helps calm me. Do you believe in those like little self-care, you know, things that you can do? I, I feel like the whole wor- term self-care is like so trendy mm-hmm. and there's, it's a little bit bullshit. Like take a bath. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it does help, but do those little things actually help? Well, it depends. If you, if you have a busy week and you have to accomplish a lot and being anxious is going to take away from that, then yes, those practices will be helpful. There's great supplements that actually turn down the heat on your anxiety. They don't last. They're just like medication. They're they're transient. Those self-care things are wonderful to turn it down. But until you sit and let that stuff come up, and until you sit and reframe and restructure your nervous system to turn down the heat on it, it's always going to come up. And you're always going to be looking to things like medication or supplements or baths or even working out. A great way to move energy, but still not the answer for- That's what I do. Right? (laughs) Yep. Right? But I feel that constitution in you. You're you're a go-getter. I can feel it. Yeah. Um, And and that is a, a, a very common adaptation to anxiety. Do you think in our day and age- that have like so much on social media, so much phone usage is actually just increasing everyone's anxiety. And like Gen Z is going to be just like the most anxious generation of all time. Yeah, I do. I think, I think not only does the phone, I have a love hate relationship with it because I'm able to put up really good content and, and share it with millions, which is such a beautiful thing. Something I couldn't have done 10 years ago. Um, We overuse it. We palliate anxiety with it. So it's a, it's sort of a self-care mechanism. There was a study that showed college students who were who they elicited anxiety with, half of them, more than half of them reached for their phone and they found that the phone was a self-soothing mechanism, wow. right? So, and imagine like a lot of us, I know a lot of people listening probably, they get into a fight with their partner and then they, the, they quickly like just are on the couch on their phone, right? It's a self-soothing mechanism. Raise his hand. Right, right. <laughs> but it's, it, again, it's a distraction. Yeah. And and it's getting worse and worse, right? Not only is a cell phone causing brain changes, especially in children, right? Where all of a sudden there's part of their cognition, learning, memory, like uh, creative aspects to their to their brain, the centers in their brain are being affected by cell phone and the blue light. And not only that, the blue light's affecting your melatonin at night, which is overall like one of the most imp- powerful, important hormones that you need to be secreting at night. So 
for me, it's like cell phone, you have to be intentional about it. And I can do better too. I can take more accountability, but you have to be intentional about it. You have to go two hours today from three to five, I'm going to be on it fully. I'm going to give all my attention to my cell phone. And then maybe like 10 minutes per every hour, five minutes per every hour, I'll answer some some messages or something. Um, because not only can they ruin, ruin relationships, but they're just, they're ruining your ability to just stop and mm-hmm. be alone. Years ago, before Absolutely. the advent of cell phones, before the advent of TV, people had the opportunity not to distract themselves anymore, right? They can sit alone. There was a 19th, I think it was early, actually 18th century philosopher who said, the bane of existence of man, and this is not the exact quote, but a summary, the bane of existence of man is that he can't sit alone in his quarters for more than 15 minutes. So this was around for a long time. People have been distracting themselves for a long time. But still, when we sit alone, we allow. And when we allow and move the ego, the body goes... And then we go, oh my God, what is coming up? Why am I angry? Oh my God, I'm like really angry at my uncle yeah. for the, for what he said when I was seven years old. I can't believe I've been holding that. It just comes up and it shows you and you know. It's like a it's like a Pictionary in, of, of images that you're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh my God, I can't believe I've been mad at my cousin for that. Yeah. Do you understand? Absolutely. And once we, we see it, it's in front of us, we get to reintegrate in our body in a healthy way. Right. So it's not causing us anxiety or depression or mood disorders. Right. And and for me, it kind of goes in a circle because I realize it and then I get so mad at myself. Like, why the fuck did you like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you get so mad at yourself and then you calm down and then it just keeps going in this circle again. Mm -hmm. Um, I really do want to talk to you more about anxiety, but there's so many other points I want to touch on too. First, I just want to know your day-to-day routine. Is it a morning routine, a night routine that it really stands out to you? And I just would love to hear it. One of my first shows I talked about, I answered an qu- uh, audience question. I said, what's the number one most important thing you do for your health? And um, it's since moved to number two, but it's still a top one. And it's rituals. You need your time to yourself. You have to have time to yourself away from everyone, including your cell phone. So for me, I don't touch my cell phone for the first hour or two from being awake. Wow. Right. So it's on airplane mode. That's hard. Yeah. It, but but it get, I promise you, it's hard for like three days. Yeah. By the fourth day, it's easy and onward. So I'll get up and um, I always make my bed. I always say thank you for the first thing because I'm I'm like, again, alive, another day. You know? Yeah. Gratitude. Gratitude, exactly. I'll brush my teeth. I'll go downstairs. I'll make a matcha. And then I'll walk to the beach with my matcha. And I'll put my feet on the ground. And the phenomenon of grounding is actually really important. A lot of us live in the city. We don't get to touch ground and think about how long we go for that. I mean, I used to live in New York and I just, I was like, holy shit, I would never put my feet on the ground, but it's actually anti-inflammatory. It helps balance your immune system, helps uh, lower your blood sugar, believe it or not. I couldn't believe when I read that part of it, but there's, there's power in putting your feet on the ground. I won't go into the mechanism, but it's really nice. But also I'll stand by the beachfront and then I'll just talk about the man that I want to create, right? This avatar called Christian in this life. Right. And, uh, it, it, it's it's important, and I'm I'm going to put a lot of stress on this. It's important to to take tabs every single day on the person you're showing up as, because if you're not, you're on autopilot. And if your subconscious is driving your autopilot, your subconscious is going to be sponsored by all of these stories in your past that are not real. But the moment you start taking accountability for yourself every single day and how you're showing up in this world, you get to be consciously creating your human experience, which is crazy. Because from that standpoint, it's so much more empowering day to day because you're driving the car. 
it's not driving you anymore. So in the mornings, I'll say the things I want to bring into my life, like more integrity, more intentionality, uh, more express, expressive, or being expressive about my heart, telling people I love them. These are things that I say out loud every morning. And then I, and then I say five things that I'm grateful for about how I show up in the world now, right? Whatever gifts I've been given, how, however many people I can touch in this world, that I say those things. And man, I feel great after that. I'm buzzing. I do a little shake in my body, move the energy, right? Love I'm it. at the beach. I, so it's funny because I'm on Venice Beach, so I might look like a crazy man myself <laughs> because I'm shaking and talking to myself yeah. and making circles, but <laughs> but it's okay hilarious. because I'm buzzing. And then I come I come home, I do a sauna, I jump in a cold plunge. But you don't if you don't have a sauna cold plunge, just get uncomfortable. Take a cold shower, right? Go oh. take a hot take go from hot to cold, hot to cold. But that's stimulating the immune system. That's my morning. And then at night, I'll do a nice, just short hour routine, nine o'clock, phone is off, airplane mode, no one can text me. My girlfriend can't even reach me if she needed to. And then I, I get to be by myself for at least an hour before bed, right? Whether it's a bath, whether it's stretching, whether it's reading, whether it's just sitting down alone and just being like, how did my day go? I was like, how did I show up? Why did I show up like that? Yeah. Right, just having that. So, and then maybe a little journal, close it up and I'm in bed early. Does that include meditation? Well? So the, the thing about meditation is that I have a roommate and he, he's got a big Doberman. So every time I'm in the middle of a really nice meditation, and this is my work, right? Because meditating with whatever stimulus, that dog will go, do, 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 do. I'll be in the yeah. middle of a deep meditation yeah. and be like, wow, in five seconds, I'm about to get the answer to life. And then it's like, do, 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 and I hear the dog barking and I'm yeah. like, oh my God. So um, usually I'll, I'll move it tonight and I'll do like just a 15, 20 minute meditation. Sometimes I'll do it in the sauna in the morning, but I just try to get it in there. Sometimes I'll show up early to a, like an event or something, and I'll get there 15 minutes early, I'll close my eyes and I'll meditate. So however you can fit it in just to reset your day. If you find you're most anxious in the middle of the day, then that's the that yes. that's the best indication for you to meditate. Absolutely. And and you know, it's like either you, you do it right when you wake up or do it when you go to bed. I think I should meditate in the middle of the day. Like hits noon. Okay, gotta go meditate. Exactly. Sorry. All right, you guys, quick ad break to talk to you guys about Organifi and why I love it so much. So what Organifi is, is an organic superfood blend made with high quality ingredients. It is backed by science as well. And what I'm most excited about is actually this pumpkin spice Organifi flavor, and it's actually best served hot. What it has in it is turmeric, ginger, lemon bulb, reishi mushroom, nutmeg, coconut milk, cinnamon, and black pepper. I mean, wow, I am so excited, especially for this pumpkin spice flavor for fall. What I love to do with Organifi is either put it in some hot water like the pumpkin spice or even a fruit smoothie. Blend it with my fruit. It has so many packed ingredients. So you guys can easily implement Organifi into your daily life, either in a nice hot cup of water, just like enjoying it like tea, just like the pumpkin spice with so many nutrients, or at the same time, throw it into a smoothie. I know they have ones for energy support or collagen as well. And I actually have a discount code for y'all. If you want to try Organifi, use the code AUSTINAF for 20% off your Organifi order. Or if it's easier, you guys can actually go to the landing page, Organifi.com slash AUSTINAF. Once again, Organifi is an amazing high quality superfood blend. You guys can really easily implement it into your daily lifestyle for extra nutrients, antioxidants, and so much more. So you were saying you go to the beach and you say things that you you want to become right no i want that i want to create more that i want to call in into my life right so okay. that, so become so manifestation or in many or? ways but 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 become is an interesting word because you're already that 
It's just that I want to call those upon myself, right? It's, yeah. it, it's like, I can't become integrity because I can already choose integrity. Right. I, I can already experience integrity, right? When I'm, when I'm presented with an op- opportunity to be out of integrity, I can make the decision to be like, I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to do something that is more in integrity. Right. Right. So it's not necessarily becoming, it's just choosing. So I am choosing to be more I love vocal. that. I love that. And I feel it's almost more realistic. Of course. It's like, I think people are under this illusion that like, they need to go to all these retreats and like study under a guru and read all these books. You don't. You're everything. You've always been everything. It's just a matter of just remembering and That's choosing so that. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And it's how empowering is it to know that? And to make sure people know that they are already good enough as is. They don't need, you know, and it's very unrealistic. I think, you know, for my age group, especially to like, be like, you need to go see this person, see this guru. Sometimes it's very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And so to know that you are worthy the way that you are, it's just choosing. Exactly. It's a matter yeah. of choice. And, that, and that's it. We look up and idolize people who are just simply expressing their authenticity. But the irony is that you have that authenticity today, right? Yeah. And what the only thing that's holding back that magic is the false story and the false narrative you've told yourself based on an experience that was real, but you've told yourself is your new adaptation and that has become part of your personality and you convince yourself that you are not enough, you're too little, you're too much, you don't express yourself, this, that, and that, how whatever mom, dad, uncle, brother, teacher, priest, whatever they said was real back then, but it ain't real anymore. Hell yeah. And it's, it's so powerful to see that there's no roots to that branch anymore. And you're like, whoa, I thought it was just like totally me. I am someone who doesn't cry. I am someone who's anxious. It's not. That's a story that you told yourself. And now you have the opportunity to choose differently. And by choosing differently, you don't have to become anything. You just remember that you're not. I love that. And then before we got into you know your morning and day routine, you said, you first talked about this on your podcast as the number one thing, but now it's become number two is your ritual. So what's number one? I saw your eyes. I, I saw your eyes in the data bank. You said, I'm going to ask them. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that little, the little, the well, little you said it's going. number two now. I was like, okay, shit, what's number one? What I just said, the authenticity. Authenticity. Expressing yourself. It's, it, I had, a, I had a, a good friend on my show and she said something really important. She goes, when we're kids, we can't wait to be adults. But the key to health, the key to health, mental, emotional, physical health is embodying your childlike self as an adult. That doesn't- Whoa, say that again, because that's amazing. So when we're kids, we look to be adults. We can't wait. But the key to health, physical, mental, emotional health is embodying our childlike selves in adult form. So what that means is not you and me, we don't have to sit Indian style and play cops and robbers or toys, but it means to have that curiosity about life. You see, here's a difference from a kid and us, amongst many things, but the, the main- core and the essence of it is that a kid can look at a grasshopper and see it just as a grasshopper without the name, without any storybook that they've heard about grasshopper. They can experience grasshopper for what it is. For us, we can remember grasshopper when it jumped into my soup and it like ruined my date that I had. I hate grasshoppers, right? All of these stories that we've told and concepts that we labeled as grasshopper. The difference is a kid can be present with a grasshopper. So much of our key to our mental health is seeing things for what they are without the labels, right. without all the stories, without our experiences, right? You may have you may have had a bad date with an NFL football player. And to you, all NFL football players are bad news, right? <laughs> I mean, come on, that's a little true. Right, 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 right. Right. <laughs> and it might be true, but 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 it takes away from your experience of seeing maybe that one NFL player 
who ain't a bad dude, or maybe the hundred or the thousand. It's so true because right? also before you go on a date with anyone, you want to know a little bit about their background. I refused to go on a date with my boyfriend now before I knew a little bit about him. I had to judge him in my mind right. a little bit. Based and, and it's it's crazy because based on your life experiences and traumas and stories, you've created a idealization of your boyfriend before you even sat down with Absolutely. him. Absolutely. So imagine, mm-hmm. and I submit to all these people, why don't we give our experience a chance versus our preconceived notions of what a person is, right? Can I just sit with Katie Austin and be like, she has crazy good energy. She's a good hearted person. I can feel it coming through. Instead of like, you know, seeing Sports Illustrated and all your stories <laughs> of like what you've created, yeah. can I just be with you, right? And we need to do that more. We need to see people for who they are without their names, without their religion, without their accomplishments, because that takes away from the experience. And when you do that with someone, you get to have the most beautiful, exquisite, sublime experience because then you're like, holy shit, this person is beautiful. Absolutely. And you judge less. And on the flip side of that as well, I'm the type of person that takes everything personally. So do you have any advice for someone like me who takes everything personally where I, it's it's almost, I want to say selfish or a little bit vain. It, it's a touch of it. Because if you say like, if you say to me like, uh, whatever, I take that personally, but I feel like I have to instead think maybe he's going through something. You know what I mean? So I've been trying. That's like what my top, my, uh, you know, to-do list of mm-hmm. this, like, like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to do this year is to like see things less per, uh, personal. And so yeah. people don't, you know, if, if someone's like mean to you or something, it's more on them or it is on you. For sure. Do you have any take on that? Two things. You can understand that people present with whatever's going on in their lives, right? So, yes, absolutely. And you mentioned that a little bit, right? Is that many people will project their traumas onto you. It's it, The world wouldn't be the way it is if that wasn't true, right? So if I'm having a bad day and I don't know how to move through those emotions, right? Or it's really rooted in just me hating my dad or mom or sister, right? Or something deep, 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 it's gonna project on you. So the moment you trigger me and show me that part of me, show me the deeper part of me and expose me, in my mind, I'm going to snap right back. The ego is going to go, I have to protect you. Yeah. You know what? I hate you. You're a bitch. Why did you say, why did you say that? You know, right. that's what the ego does. The ego goes to protect you and we need it because it's protected us so much. It kept us alive. <laughs> but, but the irony is that the ego is always on call and ready even when it's not needed. The second part is you can't control people's projections, how they present how, what the traumas they have, if they snap at you. But what you can control is how you react to it. And what I find is the most powerful thing is understanding that here's a mistake we make in life. We drive this car and we think we are the car. So if I'm driving the car and I'm at a stop sign and you come up to my car and you're like, oh, what a terrible color of the car, right? And what a terrible looking car, right? I see that as you insulting me because the 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 belief system is i am the car when we die we realize we never were the car we were the essence of the car we were the driver of the car so with that same thinking we we can start separating ourselves from our identifications that are not real right i love that right i love that so someone could come up to me i don't identify with this podcast the one that i do right it's a vehicle for me to touch people's lives if it ended tomorrow my life would go on Right. But we can wrap our identity, our sense of self around our accomplishments. So the minute. Absolutely. The minute someone threatens those accomplishments, they don't threaten those accomplishments. They threaten your sense of self. Right. So you go, oh, my God, they're not accepting me for my 
accomplishments. They're not accepting me for my podcast. They're not accepting me for my Instagram. They said, my tiles look ugly. Oh my God, that really hurts me because we've created this self-identity around things and circumstances so and all of these achievements, true. but it's not real. Our identity is the, is the essence that you touch in when you're meditating, when you're alone. That thing that comes up, that, that like awareness that you have, that's you. Think about it when we're on our deathbed, okay? And life is ending and we're thinking about our lives. What matters in that moment, right? What matters in that moment is love. Is the person you love next to you? Is your parents next to you? Is your lover next to you? Is your dog Don't next to you? Don't make me cry. Right, <laughs> right? but, but isn't, isn't, yeah. isn't that true if we think Absolutely. about it? But I promise you, when I'm on my deathbed, I'm not gonna think about Instagram followers. Hell no. I'm not gonna think about podcasts, right? I'm gonna think about the experiences and did I show up fully authentic? Did I show up expressing love to people? Yeah. Did I compliment the cashier? Did I compliment the mailman, right? Did I give a hug to my dad? Did I give a hug to my brother? Did I tell Katie Austin, I admire you for your show and you're an incredible person, oh, right? These yeah. things, did you do in your life? Cause you're gonna ask yourself, fuck, I should have done that. Why? You don't want regret on your deathbed, yeah. right? And, and life happens like this. I've seen, I worked in cancer. I've seen people have a whole life planned and they die at 22, they die oh, at God. 30. I've seen people younger than me die. So the interesting thing is that every single day we can show up completely different than the day before. That's crazy. We don't need to learn anything. We can just show up differently and that changes and that's a cascade of momentum that keeps building and building and building the more you do it and you can change your life in a week. Isn't that crazy? So crazy and so inspiring at the same time because people think it takes so much, you know, so much and so much time. But at the same time, you just said you could change yourself in a week. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of want to switch gears now. That was a very deep conversation, but um, I just have like a burning question to ask let's, you. Let's do it. Um, and it's about alcohol okay. because a lot of my listeners either know me and they love alcohol themselves. I think part of my brand is literally like, don't make fun of me, like get fit, get lit. Like literally right, that right. is my brand is, is, is work hard, play hard. And um, so I want to talk to you about alcohol because you're obviously a doctor and I saw something on your Instagram about green tea or matcha before and after. First, what is your take on alcohol? Do you drink alcohol? Okay. Um, I, I binge drink so much in my life. Uh, you can imagine I was in school at Rutgers University. It was a big party school. And then I partied at the Jersey Shore for 10 years. Like it was, it was crazy. Um, and then came a point where I was asking why I did this to my body, right? To me, alcohol is one of the worst drugs out there, aside from opioids and any medications that cause really bad side effects in people, yeah. really severe side effects. Alcohol is one of the most socially accepted, but worst drugs. Why? It's connected to seven different cancers. We know that. Wow. Alcohol, yeah, so mouth, pharyngeal, oropharyngeal, uh, the mouth and pharynx, uh, larynx, breast, um, stomach cancer, and there was a few, colon and rectum. Seven. And, it's, and statistically speaking, one in 10 people even know this. But we believe that, oh, you know, I don't binge drink. I used to do that in college, but I moderately drink. I have maybe four glasses of wine a week. Well, a new study out of Oxford University, which still needs to be peer reviewed, but still out of Oxford University, the prestigious one, showed that no amount of alcohol is healthy. Zero. All of any amount of alcohol will affect your brain. Wow. Which is incredible. So I don't drink. I'm not, a, if people want to drink, I get it. It's very socially acceptable and it's hard. The brave move, the really brave move is the person that I see at a bar not drinking and in that environment. Cause- Totally. Cause so the, the mental emotional part of it that I really looked at, and I, I can tell you a story. I went to the first bar um, 
three weeks ago, I went to Roosterfish on oh, Abiquinu. Yeah. I live right there. I live across the street. And uh, I haven't been to a bar two years before that. It's the first time in two years. And I go in and I, I'm sober and I'm ju I just drink like a little mocktail. And I'm looking around and I'm like, hmm, it clicked. Everyone who's going to the bar is looking for a community. Right, we're tribal beings. We want to be in community. We want to be accepted. Yeah. Right, whether it's a man and a man, a woman and a woman, a group of people. I looked around and everyone just wants to be together, but it's such an artificial environment. And here's why: not only is the music loud, so it's hard to even connect. Oh, yeah. but but on top of that, we're utilizing this medium called alcohol, right, to release our inhibitions, so we can finally feel good in our bodies and we can be authentically ourselves, right? So we rely on this toxin, which is poison, we drink it, and then we go, huh, I can finally dance. I'm not scared to dance, even though you love to dance. Even when you're sober, you love to dance. Or, oh, for me, oh my God, now I can finally talk to this girl. I'm not scared to talk to this girl, but that was always in me. The charm, the wit was always in me, but I was too scared to do it because my inhibitions, my ego was protecting me. But all the stories, of course, this is what happens with alcohol. All our stories go out the window. All the fear goes out the window. That's and true. then we, we're starting to be authentic and it feels good. The irony is the next morning it's, it goes and you're back to being covered up and contracted and not being authentic and not being in community. And then we have a hangover on top of that. You see, so for me, alcohol is a great social drug if you want to and if you choose to do it. And I don't judge you. But I, I think people need to understand not only the health benefits, but ask yourself why you drink alcohol. Why? Is it because you can't sit in a restaurant without partaking in the pier, the, the community celebration and drinking of it? Or is it that you can't go to a bar and feel good in your own skin? Is it you can't go to a bar and be authentically you? Or right. do you fear judgment? Do you fear being looked at? Do you fear not being able to express yourself at a bar? I'm trying to think right now because I am a very, a very outgoing person and I don't need alcohol to talk to other people or to dance. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll literally twerk upside down I love it. sober, like literally. So it's not that. And I'm very confident, but I just really enjoy a good tasting margarita. Right. I love getting drunk with my friends, but it's it's not either of those two things really. So maybe like it's something deeper that I don't know, but I just, I, I really cannot answer that question. Maybe, but what is drunk, getting drunk with your friends? What does that give you? A closer bond with them? Do you feel closer We wake up with the them? next day and we talk about the crazy shit we did and we feel closer. Absolutely. Okay. So can you do those outlandish, crazy things without alcohol? Right. You seem to have no, the personality. Because, yes. Yes. But I actually, this is a great point. I was with this guy um, over like a few weeks ago and he said something to me that was very inappropriate and he wasn't drinking alcohol and everyone knows he's sober. Mm. And I said, I looked at my friends and I said, damn, if he was drunk, I'd be like, he was just wasted, whatever. But because he's sober, I'm like, you can't fucking say that to me. Mm. Like, how dare you? Mm -hmm. So it's, it gives people the okay to say or do something out there. Right. Right. To speak their mind yeah. as outlandish as it may be. <laughs> yeah. Right. For sure. And, and and I get it. It's, listen, I drank a lot of alcohol in my life and it's, it's provided many benefits for me because I felt like I can be as expressive as I want to be. Right. It showed me the deeper part of me that I'm scared to express. Right. In whatever capacity. Right. So it played its role. But I still, I still mention that to people. I go, just question. Why? Yeah. Absolutely. Why? Why? Why have you accepted that to be part of your social construct, right? Because if we know the health benefits and they're not good, why do we still 
accept that as a social construct. Totally. You see what I mean? No, I totally know what you mean. And when you said it, it affects your brain too. Uh, just if if you are going to drink alcohol, I'm not a doctor, so so make sure you're <laughs> correcting me. If you are going to drink alcohol, to be healthy about it and to take days on and off of it. And what I've noticed is whenever I drink for three days straight, and a lot of us do, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, or even Thursday too sometimes, mm-hmm. it takes a lot of days to get your brain correct again. Um, I actually suffer, if I drink for three days straight, I suffer from like alcohol depression afterwards mm-hmm. for a few days. So I personally only can usually try to drink like on a Thursday and then again on a Saturday. Right. So we talked about anxiety and we talked about the root of anxiety, but it'll be exacerbated through alcohol, right? Because alcohol is a known, the the ethanol is is a problem. It's multi-systemic. It hits different systems and it inflames them, but inflames your brain. And depression and anxiety are closely related to brain inflammation, right? right? So of course, gut health plays a role in anxiety and depression, right? Blood sugar plays a role. Of course, all of these things. What I'm talking about was the mental emotional part. But if you think about the physical aspect of it, of course, there's going to be things that are going to be exacerbating it worse and worse. And alcohol is one of them. And then you mentioned matcha. Yes. I'm not saying, I'm not saying to every time you drink, this is a cure, but you want to make sure that you're protecting yourself as much as possible. Okay. And matcha and or green tea has been shown to be really powerful at having an antioxidant effect, especially in the oral cavity, because alcohol is really tightly connected to mouth cancer and neck cancer, head and neck cancer, which is really one of the nastiest cancers I've ever seen. But you want to you protect yourself by drinking it before and after, right? So if you're coming home at 1 a.m., don't drink matcha, you're not gonna go to sleep. Yeah. But maybe drink, drink a decaffeinated green tea, but you want those antioxidants the EGCG antioxidant to be really high amount. And I talk about my favorite ones on my show and 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 because you want to protect your mouth. You want to protect it from those oxidative effects of ethanol. I am 100% going to do that, by the way. Awesome. I feel like decaffeinated green tea I could have like when I get home from the bar or something. Exactly. And and even Absolutely. if even if you're not craving hot, put some ice in it then or something. But create a movement with your followers and teach them that like, okay, you don't have to stop drinking alcohol. Uh, you can question why you do, right? But also here's a hack that I do. And that'll be really helpful at protecting people over time, especially people who are brins drinking all the time. They can do that and they can go before and after and maybe the next morning. Just make sure you're getting a good amount of green tea to help not fully negate, but help negate those effects. Totally. And speaking of what what goes in your system, your gut, your gut health and everything, again, another change of gears right here. I want to talk to you about intermittent fasting okay. and what your view on it is. Because I come from a health and wellness community of females who highly are are highly sensitive to eating and you know I always preach intuitive eating as well this is a very sensitive subject just mm-hmm. by the way it's it's hard to navigate my words if you know what I mean because people For are sure. very sensitive about the intermittent fasting and starving yourself at the same time um but sometimes how intuitive eating doesn't always work in the health and fitness space especially if you're trying to lose weight mm-hmm. and so I just want to hear your take on fasting and intuitive eating. Okay. Um, When it comes to fasting, especially intermittent fasting, it can be done in a healthy way, right? Um, I think a lot of people hear the word fast and they go, wait, I'm not going to be able to eat for like a whole day or two days or even three days. That's crazy, right? And especially people who suffer with eating disorders, it wouldn't be indicated to that capacity. Right. But if you can put minimum 13 hours, right, including sleep, between your dinner and your breakfast, 
that's a really good spot to be at. Why? Because the data for breast cancer, which is something that I've near and dear to my heart, and I've worked with many, many, many women, thousands of women with breast cancer. It is actually super powerful to have at least 13 hours between your dinner and your breakfast the next day at protecting your breast. Wow. And breast cancer is massive. It's believed one in eight women by, you know, the next 10, 15 years are going to have breast cancer. It's a lot, a lot of women. So I can speak from the aspect of protecting your breasts. I'm certainly not um, a fitness mind, right? So I can't talk about like fat burning or or macros or calories, right? It's, It's just that's, I've always been more in the cancer field. So I can't talk about that. But also... Um, when it comes to uh, the, you said intimate fasting and then intuitive eating, right? Yes. The intuitive eating is interesting. I, I had Dr. Will Cole on my show and he wrote the book on, literally the book on intuitive eating. Shut up. Yeah. So he's fantastic. And um, Will Cole essentially talks about how he intertwines fasting and intuitive eating. Uh, yeah. Fasting and intuitive eating. Because we, there's a there's a misconception that intuitive eating just means like okay now I'm now I'm hungry for a cupcake I'm going to eat it yeah but to properly intuitive eat you have to have your metabolic health in order right because the signals from your body when you have a healthy me- metabolism right and reduced inflammation right and your body is functioning at a really high level the intuitive signals are going to be very different than something that is sponsored by I, I feel like I should eat a cupcake. And there's no problem. Eat a cupcake if you need to. But understand that when you have a healthy system, the the signals are very different than you may believe what intuitive eating is. So basically what he was talking about is a lot of the people in the intuitive, intuitive eating movement um, are, are working from an aspect of a really poor metabolism and a lot of inflammation going on in the body. So the signals that they believe they want to eat intuitively are not intuition. They're just right. they're just signals that are going on in their mind. And this, that's not to minimize. If anyone is intuitive eating and it's working for them, then it's working for them. And I have compassion for that and it's beautiful. And if it works for you and you're losing weight and you feel good, awesome. But I would actually challenge everyone to go uh, read his book. I, I believe it's Intuitive Fasting. He released it earlier this year. Um, it's a it's a fantastic book, and you get a deeper understanding of what intuitive eating is and how to fast properly. So interesting. I feel like I'm trying to take all of that in, Doctor G. Um, I want to ask you. Okay, so I've this is my thought. Um, <laughs> trying to get my thoughts together right now. My thought is that sugar is way worse for us than any other type of food. So for me, I like a lot of salt and I eat a lot of carbs. But sugar to me is like the enemy. Would you agree or disagree with me? Sugar amongst other things, but sugar is certainly one of the, it's a problem. It's a major problem. You know, I work with a lot of people who um, prepared for certain detoxes or, you know, they go to Costa Rica and they go, I'm going to do a detox. I go, okay, uh, but you can't eat sugar. Or they're going to Peru to do an ayahuasca ceremony or something, right? And you can't eat sugar for a week. Regardless, what I find is so many people, when they need to stop eating sugar, my girlfriend is doing a parasite cleanse and she, she didn't even asked me about it. She just went and started, bought it. I was like, don't you know that I can give yeah. you the best one? Yeah. But, but she had to stop eating sugar and it's crazy. People get crazy when they have to eliminate sugar completely. You know, I can tell you a story we were at this place in Manhattan Beach and they, I, I knew the, the owner of the restaurant and he, he brought out like this awesome like vegan monk fruit sweetened but a little bit of sugar cookie. And her eyes lit up 
And she's like, she's, and I, I swear it was like a fiend. She's like, hey, hey, what do you, um, can I, can I, can I see that cookie? And then she's like, it's chocolate chip, right? And her hands are like moving and she's like, I love it. And it's addictive. Look, it's comical, <laughs> but there was an undertone of addiction in there. Absolutely. She even asked to smell it. And then right when she went to smell it, she went to bite it. I said, hey, 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 uh, sugar is so, so, so addicting. And the, the travesty is that we give our children so much sugar. Absolutely. Right? And then they present in school with these disorders, cognitive disorders, hyperactive disorders, but their blood sugar is a mess. Their insulin is a mess, right? So obviously it's going to reflect their mood. So I think that sugar, I would say, is probably one of the number one things. What I find in patients that I used to work with who immediately get off of like Coca-Cola, Pepsi, sweetened juices, and they reduce their sugar load by from like 100 grams a day of sugar to like 30, 20 they lose so much weight so fast. It is, it is the bane of our of our healthy existence. Sugar. There's other things that I talk about too that are in our food system, but I think sugar is one of the really really tough ones right now. I agree, and I, I get the question a lot. Like, do you eat dessert? And I used to eat a lot of dessert. I think, especially like last year at this time, um, I actually like lost 15 pounds um, in the spring. And the one huge thing was giving up dessert. And of course, it's really hard at first, but when you give up dessert for a month, I actually do not care for sugar. It's yeah. like the weirdest thing. I don't care for dessert. I don't really care to late night eat either. Mm -hmm. What is your take on late night eating, by the way? Um, well, it's different for different people biochemically, right? Like not everyone's the same, but um, for generally speaking, late night eating will definitely affect your sleep, right? And, and you won't get a deep sleep with late night eating, right? But the more... I had Dr. Amy Shah, who's like another leader in fasting, but um, she spoke, she made a really important point about late night eating. And she said, when they did a study of the blood sugar of people throughout the day, and they were eating the same thing every hour, once it hit eight, nine, 10 o'clock, their blood sugar spiked eating, while eating the same thing. And it's because our mm -hmm. body works in very specific signals, right? Light, sunlight, yeah. those frequencies. And when the sun comes down, the, the changes in color, when it hits our eyes, it tells our brain very specific things that are going on in the outside world and how to turn on switches and off switches in our inside world, right? So our cells react to light stimulus. Well, when the sun goes down, our cells are reacting differently, right? Than it would be if we're eating midday. So we're metabolizing food differently. We're not digesting food as efficiently because all of a sudden, all of the all of the shops are closed for business. Right. You see what I mean? So when we come back from the bar and we eat a whole pizza, our body's like, what the fuck is going on right here? Like, I just turned off all of my signals. Now I have to come back to work. I was mid, I was sleeping. And you it's usually I mean? not good food too. So it's way harder to, to digest. Exactly. So the way that she said it is like, imagine you're sleeping and someone comes in and shakes you and wakes you up and asks you to do a bunch of math problems. Like that's essentially what we do to our body when we eat really late. Um, now, there is a segment of the population that does better because they, they suffer from blood sugar drops right. throughout the night. So having a little something before bed, but it doesn't have to be sugar or carb heavy. It could be a handful of nuts are going to be helpful at stabilizing your blood sugar through the night. All right. Switching gears here for the last topic I want to talk about with you, breathing and how important breath is. Wow. Good question. Yeah. Because I actually, surprisingly, who the fuck am I? I read the book Breath. By James Nestor. Yeah. Have you heard of it? Yeah, I know. I read it because I have a lot of um, 
lot of breathing problems. I have always had a deviated septum. I've always had like mouthing issues. Mm -hmm. My teeth are always like getting fucked up. I have to get like mm. braces for like the seventh time in my life. I'm on Invisalign now. Mm. And so my boyfriend's like, you really need to read this book, Breath, and to breathe out of your nose and how it's, you train yourself to breathe out of your nose. You can't just like, if you're a mouth breather, you have to actually train yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I've been trying really hard to breathe out of my nose and, and or into my nose as well. But it's, why is it so hard for you? Breathe in my nose. I have no idea. And how important do you think breath work is? Do you stab your tonsils? Yeah. Okay. Did they, were they ever inflamed as a child? I get strep throat three times a year. Okay. Um, so Which is absurd. Yeah. So for anyone listening who has a kid, there's a really important assessment you need to do for your child, and it's six okay. points. It's literally the I put up a Instagram reels yesterday on this, right? And. Uh, let's see if I remember all six, because it's in a really important assessment, because if this assessment was out when you were a kid, it could have been corrected. So when you're older, there can be a lot of issues that cascade from adolescence to adulthood that have to do with poor breathing, particularly when you're sleeping. So oh. um, you can test your child and you could see if they can't exclusively breathe through their nose for three minutes, it's a problem, right? If they, you find they're opening their mouth for three minutes, it's a problem. Dr. G, I can't even do it for like 30 seconds. Right, 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 right. So, so there's actually, and, and we'll talk about solutions as adults. Um, also, there's something called mentalis strain. When they close their lips, is their chin straining? Can you see the muscles flex of the chin when they close their lips? That's called mentalis strain. The other one is you check the tonsils and how, how where they're at. If they're 25% coverage, zero, 25% coverage, 75% coverage are really bad tonsils. And they're constantly having enlarged uh, tonsils. Another one is looking at the palate and seeing if it's very narrow or the teeth are crooked, hmm. right? The other one is seeing if the tongue is able to move to the roof of the mouth, right? Or if it's being pulled down to like 25%, even less than 10% is really, really important thing to look at. Um, I'm missing another one. There is nose breathing, mouth. Yeah, so there's six. It's called the fairest six. And you got to look online, everyone. And this is based on the work of Dr. Sarush Zaghi, who was actually on my show, and he's world-renowned when it comes to breathing. And he developed this assessment for people to look at their children and see what the heck is going on and if they're not breathing correctly. Because when you don't breathe correctly, it can cause developmental issues in the jaw, in the face of the child. They can literally look differently just because of their Me. poor. Yes, just because of literally, their poor breathing. I don't have a fucking jaw right, so, or chin. Right, so I bet, I bet when you were younger... I bet when you were younger, when you were mouth breathing, see the body, it's interesting, the body adjusts, right? So to the, the body's always looking to breathe. So it's gonna adjust the skeleton and the muscles so it can breathe efficiently, right? But when you were a child, I bet that your chin was deviated, right? And it could be that you had bags under your eyes or your eyes were like drooping a little bit. And that's all because of the development of where the tongue lies. So you may actually have a tongue tie. You, you, it, it'd be good. Where do you, when you have your mouth closed, where do you keep your tongue? Is it towards the bottom or is it suctioned on the roof of the mouth? It's on the roof. It's on the roof when you have your mouth closed. Yeah. That's really good. That's really good. So it, you may not have a tongue tie. but Yeah, I have but, it on the, the roof. On the roof. That's really good. <laughs> I was like, what's the right answer here? <laughs> Shit, I don't know. <laughs> so so uh, one, that's the Breathe Institute. It's in Westwood over here. But they have satellite clinics all throughout the country. So you like even if you're listening in Ohio, you might be able to find the nearest doctor who's trained in this technique or in these interventions. But there's also tongue strength. So for me, I went to the clinic and they took an x-ray of my mouth and they go, look, your tongue 
is weak. My tongue is weak. So what happens is because my tongue is weak, and I suffer for this sometimes, and as I lay down, my when, you, when you're fully relaxed, the tongue will drop back into the throat. And then you'll find, and then all of a sudden, if your breathing is impaired, what does a what does a brain do? It goes, oh no, there's danger. So you never get into a deep sleep. So if you're sleeping, let's say these are telltale signs. If you're waking up in the middle of the night, telltale sign you're choking and your, or your airways mm-hmm. aren't working or your tongue's really weak. Um, if you have dark spots under your eyes c- persistently, yeah, it could be genetic, but it also could be you're not getting deep sleep. You're not breathing correctly. And uh, something that's been really helpful for me is obviously the tongue exercise. They get like, you know how you work out? I do tongue workouts, move it around. Wow. So I look like a crazy man when I'm in my car, uh, but I'll do it. Outside of your mouth, you do it? Yeah, outside of mouth. I'll show you them. I'll teach you them uh, to strengthen your tongue. So what happens is that there's more tone to it. So when you lay down, it doesn't fall to the back of your throat. It actually oh. can stay forward and keep that airway open. So your brain goes, okay, everything's fine. But if you if sleep apnea is an end stage, basically... When you're, we talked about the ferris six with children. Through life, things happen, right? We had, we get asthma, we get other issues that can happen, like ADHD. When you get older, we can have more chronic diseases. But sleep apnea is the end stage manifestation of improper breathing as a child. Do you see what I mean? So, and it's crazy because people are like, "What's the cure for sleep apnea?" You can do it early on. So what I do is I mouth tape. Mouth tape is like. I without it's crazy like that's what James Nestor suggested in in breath he does okay and he just puts a little bit of um you know like a almost like a band-aid over mm-hmm. I just cannot do it because I can't fall asleep with it over my mouth with it over your mouth right so uh do you use nasal strips to be able to open your nose nope never have that's a great idea okay so what you can do is start training yourself when you're awake before you get into a bed so you know how i talked about that nighttime routine sleep hygiene t- mm-hmm. turning, turning off the phone for an hour yeah so for an hour put some tape over your mouth every hour every night before bed do it for an hour and start training your body to breathe with your mouth fully closed Right, and when your mouth is closed, keep your tongue on the roof of your mouth, and you'll notice as you're training your body more and more. Hopefully, when you're sleeping, you'll wake up like in the middle of the night for for, for a noise, not not for improper right. breathing, and you'll be, hmm, my mouth is closed, and the tongue, my tongue is on the roof of my mouth. That would without be a dream. But you can do that, and also just bringing awareness during the day. So let's say you're like, no, you're like typing up on the computer. Ask yourself, is my mouth open? Let me close it and let me keep the tongue on the roof of the mouth. You can practice that and start developing that connection with your brain. And it's going to be so helpful. Your sleep will be better, right? And I I, I don't know what your health history is, but I, I'm assuming that it'll help a lot with other things too. Wow. I am I am totally going to try that. That's going to be a huge goal of mine because I snore. I wake myself up in the middle of the night by coughing, choking. Mm-hmm. It's it, so that is horrific. Tell, telltale sign that you are not breathing correctly when you're sleeping. I know I'm not. I know I'm not. I wake up probably five times at the middle of the night. Telltale sign. And I'll, 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 I'll tell you about where to go and get an assessment and they can they can help. There's different ways. There's techniques, there's, there's exercises, or if it's surgical, they can do surgical. It's a whole thing. But I'm not saying you're going to need that. <laughs> Probably, but but, but no, deep. but practice, but practice. Put on, put the tape on your mouth. I, I really, I mean, that's that's something that you know. Um, again, it's practice, and it's not too hard to implement in your life. Mm-hmm. And it's, you won't snore because what happens when you're snoring? Likely, your tongue is in the back of your throat, and it's flapping, right? <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just, it's just, you're not breathing correctly. It's literally exactly that. I right. just, your is, poor, your poor this boyfriend. This is how I sound. Oh, he has to get a sound machine. Right, right. No. That's me snoring. Right. He takes videos of me. How's your oral health? Do you get cavities or anything like that? No, that's or, the weird thing. I've never had a cavity. My teeth, good. people are like, how, do you whiten your teeth? I'm like, I literally 
don't that's do really good to my teeth i never i brush them you know twice a day but i've never had a cavity if your kid if anyone listen if your kid is consistently getting cavities over and over and you took out sugar and they're eating healthy assess if they're mouth breathing because when you're mouth breathing you change the bacterial profile of your mouth to those pathogenic bacteria that cause cavities oh my goodness so it's interesting that you don't get them that's actually a really good case study. yeah it's weird actually well anyways dr g i could seriously sit and talk to you for absolute days. I have so much more on the list that I want to talk to you about, but thank you so much for being so educational and, and like so much insight into yeah. so many different areas and aspects of health and well-being. So I really appreciate you. Where can everyone find you and your show? Okay. So the show's Heal Thyself. It's literally right across the room. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the Instagram is at, uh, what is it? Dr. Gonzalez. So it's dr.gonzalez or doctor, spell it out. One of the two, just look me up as Dr. Christian Gonzalez, you'll find me. Awesome. Thanks, Dr. G. And I will see y'all next week. All right. 